Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing once again? This is Big Dave Lemon along with my partner Joe Rodriguez as we bring you another edition of Poker Action Line discussion on issues involving the world of poker. And uh, as a combination of that, uh, there'll be talk about sports betting and other things as we move into the fall. We won't spend a majority of our time on sports betting, but it will have a big impact on the paramutuals here in, in South Florida. Uh, and around the state of Florida, also the Indian Reservation, the tribes, um, six casinos around the state, and uh, who knows how it's going to affect Mikasuki. I guess uh, maybe Joe might hear know a little bit about that. But uh, I do want to talk about the latest news because last week we were kind of struggling to figure out whether what was happening with the Department of the Interior, which had been handed uh, their decision or an opportunity to make their decision on the... Uh, Seminole Compact, and they had 45 days to do so, and we were trying to calculate the date and time, and we figured it was very close to the end of that period. Well, it was. As the, as it turns out, the next day, um, the word came out that they, um, they actually didn't even really make a decision. They just allowed kind of like a veto, a pocket veto. Uh, when uh, a bill goes to the governor's desk or the uh, president's desk, and he has a certain amount to either sign it or uh, veto it, and then he just kind of lets the time run out, so it passes through. So that's what happened with the Department of Interior. Uh, I want to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, also, several other stories out there, including High Stakes Duel. They're calling it number three. Uh, the first one was obviously Phil Helmuth defeating Antonio Asfandiari, and uh, we also had um, him knocking off Daniel Negreanu, and then he took on that... Uh, podcaster in a single match and, and won that one as well. So Phil has won now seven matches in a row. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I don't think that makes him the greatest of all time. I still uh, have to think that sometimes his play is uh, not so uh, exciting or correct, but you can't, uh, you can't knock success. Can you Joe? <laughs> I'm I'm not going to argue against him not being the best, especially with all the bracelets that he owns. Um, you know, he's and he's he's a proven winner over a long amount of time. You know, it's hard to believe that, you know, he came on the scene, uh, what was that 88, 89? I believe it's 89. When he won the main event? Yeah. Uh, so... Um, as a as a the as a kid, man. just a kid, yeah, wet yeah. behind the so, ears. Uh, you're not going to get me to say anything about him on the air. <laughs> I think that uh, if he's if he's you know not the greatest ever, uh, he's definitely in the conversation. So, well, the newest one, uh, not to uh, hold anybody in suspense, but if you haven't heard, he takes on starting tonight Tom Dwan, uh, known as Dur. D-U-R-R-R-R on uh, his online name. But, of course, Tom Dwan, uh, familiar with a lot of people. And we haven't seen a whole lot of him lately. 
But there is some bad blood between these two guys dating back to the NBC uh, National Heads Up Tournament in 2008. I mean, we go back that far. In 2008, uh, Duan and Helmuth played in the first round. Uh, three hands into the match, Phil got pocket aces. Endure had pocket tens. I don't know if I went back and watched his hand today. And... Uh, uh, Duan raised to, to 3,000 and Phil snapped off, snap called, uh, and actually shoved, snap shoved and put, put them all in. Uh, he did take some time to decide, but, uh, he made the call and turns out there was a 10 on the turn and he wins the match. And of course, Phil, uh, got on him and said, you know, I don't think I would put that kind of money on, uh, pocket tens this early in the match. And, and they went back and forth, and and uh, Duan basically said to him, "Let's play heads up anytime for you name the stakes." And uh, so there was a lot of bad blood there. It was one of the most uh, legendary hands ever in televised poker. So uh, they went back and forth, and uh, Duan was only 22 at the time. Uh, Helmuth uh, basically said, "You know, yeah, we, we'll we'll play one day." And uh, I guess today's the day. <laughs> That's taking quite a bit of time to get there, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know why we haven't seen Duan much lately, except that I know he plays in Macau a good bit. And uh, he's he was always an online player for a long time before he uh, started playing a lot of those uh, big games and uh, high-stakes poker and a lot of the TV things on late at night. So... Uh, his game has wasn't evolved he, over wasn't the years. Wasn't he the one that no one knew who he was? No, that was uh, that was that was Iseldor, uh, Victor Blom. Blom, oh that's right. Tom Blom went under Durr or something like Durr. Durr, yeah. Durr. Durr with okay. four R's. Yeah, he was. Uh, uh, he was playing those nosebleed games. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, they start today. Uh, best of three. And uh, they start today. It's 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on the Poker Go app. And uh, there's obviously, besides the bad bud between the two, there's lots of side action from poker fans. Uh, there's an article on uh, Poker News about this today. Uh, several prop bets uh, actually going head to head. Duan is a slight favorite, minus 128. So I guess that's some disrespect, basically, for Phil for having won all those matches in a row. But Duan is an excellent heads-up player. And uh, even though we haven't seen him much over the years, uh, I think he uh, could put an end to Phil's streak today. Well, <laughs> do you want to bet against him? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, so I would. I would because I, uh, I pretty much dislike him. Uh, I have to liken this, and we'll bring Joe Costello in here real quick. Uh, if, if you're, uh, if you're there, Joe, um, I can kind of compare watching Phil Helmuth to the way a lot of people view auto racing. Since you're involved in auto racing, uh, you know, and you may not want to admit it or even, uh, confirm it, but a good percentage of the auto racing audience, they actually should go to see an accident. Uh, you know, you do a lot of the hot rod and national NHRA stuff and with the funny cars and the uh, top fuel models. 
And there can be some spectacular fiery crashes, which is which are basically awful. And I don't want to condone cheering for that kind of thing. But I think there is a certain part of the audience that is excited by that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's people like to see things that they have never seen before. They like to see buildings imploded. People like it's something out of the ordinary, and to see a finely tuned and crafted piece of equipment destroyed and the driver walk away safely it is uh you can't deny that there are some people that enjoy that but i also think you know that might be what brings you in something like wow this big crash big equipment torn up you know car upside down that kind of deal it's just out of the ordinary same reason people slow down on the highway when there's a car on its roof you know you're slowing down traffic guys but when do people get to see that in their lives it is unusual it's almost ridiculous to expect them to not want to look at it of course you want to look at it but at some point you learn that that's really bad and really expensive and when you see that that means someone's life was in jeopardy and eventually you're horrified by it but that's kind of the arc of, of fandom for these kind of sports right and i think uh you know i'm not saying that a lot of the big percentage of those people actually want to see someone injured or killed I mean, that would be just absolutely uh, deplorable. But, uh, you know, we have uh, come a long way in the safety of a lot of these auto machines. And uh, and I'm sure you're pleased when you see that uh, someone maybe had a broken arm or a broken leg or, or whatever, but was able to uh, survive and, and uh, recover from it. Well, our safety record uh, in, in modern auto racing is really good given what they're doing. And so... You know, I think we're kind of in a new era. Once upon a time, it was very macho and, you know, the drivers were expendable and it was kind of understood that every once in a while someone was going to get hurt or someone was going to die. We moved beyond that in 2001 when Dale Earnhardt passed away and in Formula One it happened with Ayrton Senna passing away. And safety has been prioritized. And, you know, we nobody likes to talk about it because when you're going 200 or 300 miles per hour, anything can happen. But the safety record is great. And I can tell you, like even what you said, like broken arm, broken leg, um, you know, those things are, are rarities uh, now, especially at the professional level. So we're, we're thrilled about that. And I don't think the fans miss it, honestly. Good racing, fast racing, loud, fast cars that do things that are, you know, unnatural on their own. You really don't need to see them crashing to be entertained. Right. But I do think a lot of people that go to NASCAR races and maybe even uh, IndyCar races, um, you know, there is that excitement factor that you never know what's right around the corner and what's going to happen. And I, and I bring it up because uh, I think it's more inevitable in poker that Phil Helmuth is going to have a blow up and people are going to enjoy that and they're looking forward to it. What do you think, Joe uh, Rodriguez? Well, you know, the, I like the analogy that you have there with Phil Helmuth. I'm sure Mike DeMouth, uh, you know, that loved to root against the uh, the so-called crybaby who also happens to be an outstanding, you know, poker player. And uh, I see a lot of similarity when we had that, 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 that heads up with uh, 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 Kasuf and, and, and Stacy, right. you know, and, and you want it, to, it's the good against the bad, you know, and, and the car racing, it's, you know, like Joe said, you know, something, Something you're not used to seeing cars being driven at, you know, 150, 200 miles an hour and, you know, making those sharp turns, 
you know, maneuvering in between, uh, you know, inches, right, Joe? That their bumpers apart, inches. Well, I think a better analogy would be Jerry Springer, um, because you know, look how popular that got, Moton Downey Jr. Yes, seeing people. Just, uh, you know, the norm, right? Like, everybody's in the norm all the time, but to watch people blow up, to the Real Housewives thing, seeing these women scream at each other, like, people watch it, they can't look away. Like, I don't find that entertaining, but I definitely watch my share of Jerry Springer shows because it's like, this is not normal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, even, even uh, you know, President Trump, like, the way he handled his everything, like press conferences, yelling at people, like, you know, shutting them down, shutting them up, that kind of stuff. It was out of the norm. People like to see things that they haven't seen before that are out of the norm of accepted behavior, screaming, right. violence, like they they like all of those things, maybe because it's shocking. So if there's a, a player at the table who is doing something that's not within the realm of norm and he's blowing up on people or he's aggressive or he's attacking others. Yeah, I can totally understand how that would be intriguing to the viewing audience because it's it's something different. People like it. Now, it's going to be polarizing and some people are going to hate that guy because of it and some people are going to like him because people hate him. And that's just humanity. It's the way it is. Like Joe said, good guys and bad guys. Uh, the storyline, right? Like That's why people like Darth Vader. Because he's a bad guy and he kills you, and they, they like right. that. So it's just yeah. that's humanity. Yeah, exactly. Well, there people are uh, making some side bets in some of these matches, and uh, you know a lot of people like Dom Dwan to win this. He is a very good uh, heads-up player, and he does have that history. I was also looking at a couple of his hands, and this guy—I don't know how much you've watched him play over the years, Joe—but uh, he's he's unbelievably fearless. Yeah, well, when when you play for the stakes, like I said earlier, nosebleed stakes that he plays for, uh, you know, um, I would imagine he's being backed by uh, some very wealthy people. There's, you can't have uh, you can't have any uh, fear, you know. It's 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 the reason that you've mentioned on the show, you know, that 99.9 percent of people don't play that type of uh, poker players can't afford to play that type and and i guarantee you that even if they could they wouldn't want to you know you it's right. a special skill set that you really have to have uh to be able to do that and you know it, it goes back to i don't know the older the really older poker players are you know the great ones that started this but you know you, you kind of think of Stu Unger who who, who was fearless and you know his whole his whole life, you know, when he was playing, whether it was poker or uh, gin rummy, uh, you know, he just thought that he was so much better than everybody else, and I would imagine uh, this young man does too. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm sure that uh, the poker brat, as he is uh, well named, will have his share of blowups in this match tonight, especially heading into it. Uh, with some of the past history these guys have had playing against each other, he's certainly going to be bordering on tilt going into the match i would think but uh there is a number out there for number of minutes it will take for uh helmuth's first blow up to occur it's eight minutes and 30 seconds eight <laughs> and, minutes and 30 seconds really and one of the <laughs> one of the crazy, one of the players uh, involved in this story chad holloway is one he's going to take the over he says uh, i think there'll be many blow-ups but i think helmuth will start off slow and be cordial 
And uh, so he said it will be, inevitably it will happen, but uh, he thinks that it's going to go over eight minutes and 30 seconds. The other guy, uh, John Sofin, says there's literally no way he's going to make it a full eight minutes and 30 seconds without complaining about losing a pot. I'll bet my next 15 paychecks, one for each Helmuth WSOP title on the on, on the uh, under. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he, he loves to make comments. Uh, as we've mentioned on the show before, the top players like to do that and see if they can get something out of their opponent. And that's just his nature. That's just his nature. Yeah. To me, it's almost like, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about it now when you said uh, he's going to be cordial. It's almost like he wants to be uh, Cersei's from uh, 300. You know, all I need you to do is kneel before me and tell me that I'm the greatest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and he can live with whatever results come after that, you know? So There's also lots of speculation on who will win more hands, even though uh, Helmuth could win the match by winning the biggest hands. Uh, Duan is uh, one of the most consistently aggressive players in the game. He's going to put a lot of pressure on Phil, which Phil hates. Uh, Phil does not like to get bluffed. He does not like to get run over. And sometimes he'll, uh, you know, be stubborn and, and make the call when he shouldn't. And then the tilt starts to work in and, uh, he starts uh, maybe betting on a few hands that, uh, are really worthless just to, just, just because he's upset. So what do you think about, uh, who was going to win the most hands? I'm so sorry, but I lost, I lost you there for a moment, brother. Okay. I, I missed the last 30 seconds of what you said. Well, I just said that Phil is the kind of guy that, uh, you know, he's, he's always kind of bordering on tilt. And when he gets uh, bluffed a couple of times, uh, I went back and watched a bunch of, bunch of his blowups. And, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting to find out, uh, you know, what the uh, situation was for him when he really starts to get upset. So uh, while Duan may constantly put pressure on and win more hands, you know, Phil is pretty good at trapping uh, players once in a while. Well, you have to be, you have to be. I mean, if you know, Phil, all the top notch players have to be really good at that. You know, I, I go to Daniel Negrano who does it in a different style than Phil Helmuth, but he's constantly talking to people. You know, he doesn't want to antagonize him for the most part when he's playing his opponents. You know, he's 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 trying to get free information from them without them getting upset so that they'll they'll continue to give him information. You know, uh, we've mentioned how he's made calls going. I just want to make sure that I got a read on you, you know, that that you got these two cards, you know, and I'm going to make the call knowing I'm, I'm losing it just to see your two cards. And, you know, we we see the opponent be amazed, you know, and it's, it's obviously not another top pro, but, uh, you know, uh, it, they got similar styles in, in, in that regards. It's just that, you know, Daniel Negrano is, is so much more likable. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, that, that's how I equate it. It's like Mike Matisau, you know, the, the, you know, I, I was impressed by how well he did when he was down here many years ago. Um, you know, teaching, uh, I don't remember through what, what it was back then. The boot camp. Down the tournament. His, there's no denying how great a player he is, but you just hate him. And, and I'll, I'll use something even better than that for you. Another analogy that's outside of poker. It's, uh, you know, what, what, what's the Yankee, what's the Yankee, uh, uh, called by the Boston people, you know, the evil dynasty, you know, 
So it's, you either love us or you either love the Yankees or you hate them, you know, and that's around the whole country. And, uh, you know, that's, like you said, I think that's how it is with Phil Hellmuth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things they, they discussed was how many hands the match will, will last. And the over-under is 275 and a half hands. So uh, I, they're thinking that it's going to follow some of the other high-stakes dual matches that have been long. Uh, there hasn't been an early cooler hand that ended the game quickly, as uh, what this gentleman mentions in this story. He said they've all lasted at least a few hours and over 200 hands. So uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, can Phil uh, go on tilt early and uh, get, get crazy? Well, I don't know what the exact rules are, you know. Uh, is it going to be the same way that they start with, what was it, uh, the, the total amount of money and uh, the blind structure? I mean, you know. Yeah, I haven't researched that enough, but uh, I know that I think they're both putting up 200000 if I'm not mistaken. Starting tonight with the two hundred is is being put on the table today. I believe so. Okay, and uh, what are they? What, what do you have any idea what the blind structure no. might be? No, I don't. I mean, granted, they can push in all in at any time, but uh, uh, it's going to take a hand that they both yeah. believe is so strong. For you know, that I, that's probably why Phil Helmuth was so upset about that hand many years ago. Yeah, that you're yeah. facing three hands into a tournament. <clears throat> Uh, you know, an all-in bet, and uh, you know, he got. Let me tell you something. Phil Helmuth can complain about that, but every poker player out there is going to tell you, I'll take my chances with aces against tens all day long. Yeah, yeah, you know, I hear you. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you you sucked out on on the on the rare you know small percentage that they beat you on it, right. but. Uh, I don't know. I I know I'd want pocket tents to call me with pocket aces. And um, you need a scenario like that where one of them doesn't believe the other uh, has that strong a hand for them to go. So, But it's hard. They're saying, what, 200-something hands before it's all over? 275. Almost seems like it's too long, too many yeah. hands. Yeah, it seems like it to me, I mean, too. Uh, both both these guys in the story are like the like the under. Uh, anyway, uh, that's tonight, eight o'clock Eastern time, five o'clock Pacific on Poker Go. Uh, you can check that out, and uh, you know they can pick up a subscription. A monthly subscription is fourteen ninety nine, and uh, you can get a yearly subscription. They have lots of really great content on there. So we'll see what happens. High stakes duel number three. That is tonight. Uh, let's go back to the uh, the latest lawsuit by uh, the Magic City people. Uh, that is the Havnick family that owns Magic City in Miami and Bonita Springs uh, over in the uh, Naples, Fort Myers area. Closer to Naples, I guess, a little bit, but in Bonita Springs. Anyway, they've just fired, filed a second lawsuit, which I mentioned uh, was slightly amended from the first one that they filed in Tallahassee. They filed this one in Washington, D.C., arguing that the sports betting plan violates the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act and will have a devastating impact on their business. Um, they also named the Interior Secretary, Deb Holland, and the Department of the Interior as a whole as defendants in the lawsuit. So. Now, I'm really not sure why they're including the Department of Interior in their lawsuit uh, and also uh, 
uh, Deb Holland, who is uh, the latest uh, woman who is now the director of the Department of Interior. But I guess it's really kind of to uh, get the uh, national government involved, maybe kind of stall things off and get them on their side. But to be truthful, uh, the whole deal came down. And uh, I think I mentioned earlier in the show that the 45-day period elapsed, and that's why it became uh, law, that it was approved. It wasn't any kind of uh, uh, plan to uh, sign it and approve it. They just kind of uh, kept it at arm's length and uh, and uh, let that 45-day window pass. So um, they did express uh, their concerns, the Department of Interior did, and they agreed with the uh, Seminole tribe, uh, or I mean the uh, the Havanick family, the um, against the Seminole tribe, saying that uh, the mandatory vendor contracts that would be involved in setting up the sports betting, uh, they had some problems with that, also the jurisdiction over uh, different tort claims, and uh, they believe that the department needs to address uh, several provisions about the revenue sharing. So the whole uh, idea of this that the uh, Seminoles laid out with the state of Florida was that the tribe uh, would con contract with several vendors like the paramutuals, uh, Joe's uh, company or Dania or any of the other paramutuals, and that the tribe would take 40% of the revenue generated from those facilities, pay 10% to the state, and then the vendor would keep the other 60% tax-free, which uh, is kind of kind of surprising. But uh, if there is any online betting, it would be done through the Seminoles mobile app. So um, they do have a big problem with that. Uh, the Magic City people do said any online betting uh, of this model would be in violation of the uh, IRGA since the bets can be placed anywhere in the state. That's the problem they really have with it. Uh, the tribe says that their servers are on native land, so it complies with the federal standards. And that's really going to come down to that decision right there. Um, but they're also the other interesting thing, and I Joe and I talked about a little bit before the show was that uh, the Seminoles would be able to take cash wagers on any of the sporting events. You just walk right up to the window with a $20 bill and make your bet on the Dolphins or the under and uh, be done with it. Uh, the paramutuals would have to, uh, I assume, set up some sort of uh, betting account with, through either funded through credit card or or debit card or however you want to do it, but it ha would have to be set up ahead of time. And that uh, kind of slows things down for the tourist that just wants to uh, go to someplace, not get tied down with paperwork and just be able to walk up to a window and place their bets like you do in Vegas. What do you think, Joe? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't know how these lawsuits, because they're all suing for different things. You know, the, uh, the, the Department of Interior let this thing slide. That kind of answers some of our questions that we thought many weeks ago. Remember how you know we've seen where they signed off on these tax, uh, you know, rather quickly, and we couldn't couldn't imagine. Well, obviously they found some some reasons there for for concern, and did like what you know you know there's never been a, a governor that has signed off on gambling uh, that I know of in this state um, due to the fact so that they don't have their name, you know, attached to it. Uh, right. It's easy for them to say, well, listen, you know, 
the the, the voters wanted it. Your representatives, uh, the state senators and state representatives wanted this. So I didn't veto it, you know. And, uh, you know, for those of you out there that don't already know, but when a bill goes before governor, president, I guess now the DOI, I didn't know that it was like that. Uh, they can either veto it, sign it, or let it pass whatever, you know, allowed time it has, and then it becomes, you know, it becomes law. Yeah. So... You know, this is strange. This is the first time I'm hearing about not allowing cash. You know, I didn't read the pack, so that's my fault. Um, I've been told that there might be limitations. Uh, someone told me he was on the other side, which I didn't know either because I thought everybody would be allowed like, to. It's like like betting limits on a game or something? No, 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 not betting limits on the game uh, as to who and how many different sites will have right uh well, i keep hearing i keep hearing property. the number number three kind of limited to that three. is the number know. that i heard also yeah sir. so i don't know we'll see what num- that is the exact number that i heard also and now, uh, you guys are you guys are standing on go with william hill already in your building so you're in a good position there uh what do you hear are the other effects of the compact that well, might affect you directly it, it the player bank games getting, would be obviously, uh, which are very lucrative, by the way, and uh, those would be perfectly legal when there was a kind of a gray area there for us. I'm going to relay something to you. You know, who owns who owns William Hill right now in the United States? I forget. Caesars, is it? That is correct, sir. Yeah, yeah that's and, uh, I believe there's a large property uh, in Broward that, that is owned by by them. Yeah, the aisle. There we go. So, um, so there could be a there could be a distinct choice between Gaden Broward. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I well, I mean this is what someone on the other side kinda mentioned. That so, they're not sure if if it's only three properties would they choose in our case ours or something up there. Yeah, and uh, so again, without knowing all all the merits of these lawsuits and and everything else that's going in there, it's kind of hard. And one other thing that I was told that uh, sports betting, according to the compact, was supposed to be start could start on October fifteenth. Uh, we were told that they're going to push that date back to November first, and this is coming from you know the from the Hard Rock. Right. Well, a lot I of things can happen. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, what do you? Well, I guess you're in probably in preliminary stages, but uh, would there be? It uh, says there would be some sort of blackjack style type games at the paramutuals. Is that possible? No, I don't believe that's what they said. That's what the states wanted forever. Uh-huh. Now, whether there's something in there for the future, uh, you know, the the Seminoles you know, held strong against that for the last few years. State was willing to give them, uh, from my understanding, you know, craps and roulette um, in exchange for, you know, uh, obviously the continued payments that they were making, but allowing the uh, Dade and Broward uh, casinos, paramutuals, to run live blackjack. Yeah, yeah. And they, okay. they, they did not go for that. 
Yeah. And, well, uh, still a lot to be decided, not to mention, uh, besides the Magic City lawsuit, uh, two lawsuits, uh, you got other things pending, I guess, uh, with some of these uh, FanDuel and uh, DraftKings and some of these places that want their, their piece of the pie. Yeah, I mean, listen, and you mentioned something about 10% earlier as we were talking. Uh, the, for what I was told was that 20% was supposed to go to the state. 20% was supposed to go to the uh, to the Seminoles from the uh, you know properties like ours. You know the paramutual casinos. Yeah. I think that's and changed a little bit. I think it's 30-10 right now. Okay. Well, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we have no, we have no definitive uh, answers to any of these questions. But uh, as uh, football season is just around the corner, college football starts next weekend. Uh, the NFL the following weekend. Uh, I know that everybody would love to get uh, get those windows open for betting uh, soon. So we'll see what happens. But uh, if it's November first, I think uh, I think the tribe will be happy with that. You know, to get uh, kind of this as a test season. Uh, get the last uh, two months of the NFL season in the books, and uh, and then go full force next and be year. Prepared the for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Super Bowl at March Madness. Exactly. Uh, which you know, which which back to back. So get it get it settled right, and uh, you know, once you do, you've got it for the rest of, for the rest of, of the rest of time, so to speak. So. All right, and if you listen to the show, you'll be the first ones to know because we'll pass that along to you. Let's take a break, though, on the show tonight uh, as we uh, do the show here. Uh, again, looking forward to another match with Phil Helmuth against uh, some of his uh, biggest rivals as he takes on Tom DeLon tonight, uh, beginning on Poker Go, uh, the high-stakes high duel number three. So uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we return. Poker Action Line coming to you from South Florida and we hope you stick around for the remainder of the show. Be sure and subscribe. Uh, rate the show on Spotify, on iTunes, on uh, Apple Podcasts, or on uh, any of the other places you pick up your podcast. SoundCloud is a very good place to do that as well. So please uh, stick around. We'll be back with more of the show when we return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now 
at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. And their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men, cannibals. Firelight glistened on their oiled bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here from uh, our homes in South Florida. It's been a while since we've actually been in a studio and... Uh, and done the show, but uh, I think the quality is pretty good, and we uh, we hope you'll join us every week for more shows. Uh, a few bad uh, notes in in the world of poker. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we told you about Lane Flack passing away of natural causes. We actually had a a pro from Canada, uh, Matt Marafioti. Uh, he was only 33 years old. He uh, jumped out of a 28th floor high rise in New Jersey. Killed himself uh, last, well, I guess it's been about two weeks now, but I did not mention on the show last week. But he was one of the top online pros. He's from Canada and uh, was one of the great players in the game. Um, he was actually had some personal problems. Uh, a few years ago, he disappeared for like 45 days. And and uh, that was in 2016 when he resurfaced. He told everybody that he was healthy and safe and he would, had been camping with friends but then he was uh, not seen at any live poker tournaments for, for several several years until the fall of 2019. But he did have some personal problems and family deals. Uh, in fact, uh, he had posted um, that he was uh, scheduled to appear in court on August 17th uh, regarding a, a custody hearing, I guess, of his young son. And uh, I guess that was not going well because it was on the morning of um, Friday the 13th that he actually uh, passed away. So uh, sad news there from uh, the world of poker. And I just uh, in relation to that, Joe, uh, you know, these guys make huge dollars. You hear about all these big numbers, but the pressure just must must be intense. Well, you know, listen, we're, we're seeing this with, you know, pro athletes like never before. You know, none of us know that pressure. How old was Lane when, you know... Lane was 52. Uh, okay, but and, it was uh, natural causes. He died in his sleep. And who was the gentleman that you said... Uh, uh, Matt Matt Marafioti. I'm sorry, that's who I meant to say, Matt. You know, it's... <laughs> we don't live... You know, you and I grew up in a different era where 
where things were, you know, toughen up, you know. Uh, uh, the comedian Billy Gardell once said, oh, my father had the attention of, uh, you know, the cure for eight, you know, for attention deficit. He, he'd look you straight in the face and goes, he goes, pay attention, you know. And that's how we grew up. And, and for these people, these poker players, athletes, you know, we don't know what what they've had to do to achieve, you know, uh, everything that they've done. So yeah. it's so sad, Dave. It really yeah, is. And really uh, is. obviously, you know, this world is a different world today that people, you know, realize. And uh, that's something that has affected my family uh, years ago. So Yeah, well, you hear about all these titles, and I think what people don't realize is that you know, the number of tournaments where you get blown out uh, on a tough cooler or a bad beat or or even just uh, your own play that uh, is at a deficit at one point or another. And, uh, you know, it works into your psyche. It really does, Dave. I mean, think about it. Regardless of how great a player you are, you're going to go through stretches, you know, where you don't cash, especially if you're a tournament player and a high-stakes tournament player. And I, could, I I try to equate that to, you know, being a, um, you know, an addicted gambler, you know. Uh, people don't want to say that about poker because it's a skill game, which it is. But when you go on those losing streaks, if you don't know how to take care of the other aspects of your life, um, if you haven't made plans for that to pay your bills, that has nothing to do with your bankroll. Um, you know, if you have drinking or drug problems, you know, all of these things will add up. And then, you know, we discussed many years ago, you know, the backing. And if you have a backer who's put in a lot of money into you, I would imagine you start thinking, holy cow, I've just got to win one tournament just to pay everybody back. Right. You know, and not take any and not put anything in my bank account, you know, and um, it's it's, you know, it, again, I know what the pressure is of betting and losing. And, and if you have a family, I went through that in my 20s very hard. Um, you know, it's the same, you know, it's similar addiction to drugs or alcohol. You know, you, you're you're waiting for it. I, unfortunately, I'm sure, you, you know, you've seen it at Dania. I've seen it, you know, at Miami Highlight and anytime, you know, you're in a casino, it's so sad. You know, you, you, you literally start seeing these people throw away everything they've accumulated in their lives. Right. And if they don't reach out for help or they're too proud for that, you know, they, um, eventually see no way out and uh you know there is a way for anybody listening to the show who feels like themselves like that you know every state has a number that you can call you know to admit that you have a problem and and just let somebody know somebody that you that cares about you that you care about let them know so you know we don't see these tragic things happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple other things I want to mention, a couple of news and notes here. Uh, Kristen Vicknell, known as the world's top female player, uh, has parted ways with Party Poker. She was with them for uh, over four years and had nothing but uh, great things to say about her working relationship with them. And the site uh, also uh, had nothing but high praise for her as well. 
but uh, apparently it was a mutual departing, and uh, I don't know what she's going to be doing as far as uh, sponsorships go, but, uh, you know, some of these things come and go, and obviously COVID has changed the, the, the financial ramifications of the game completely. Uh, speaking of COVID, not to get into too big of a discussion today, but there's a casino in Oregon that, that closed in two weeks in response to a surge out there. Um, it's uh, the Chinook, Chinook Winds Casino, uh, which is located in Lincoln City Indian Reservation out there, uh, decided to close on August 12th for two weeks following a record number of cases and hospitalizations around the state. Um, again, we're always waiting on here to find out how that's going to affect the World Series of Poker this year. But one of the things that just came out uh, involving that is that Chris Moneymaker, uh, here 18 years after he broke on the scene at the World Series of Poker, has decided not to play this year. He will not be attending at all. He has a nine-year-old son that cannot be vaccinated at this time. Uh, no children under 12 are getting their vaccinations. And he uh, wants to be extremely careful not to bring the virus home from uh, Vegas. And you got you to gotta give him credit for that uh, as a great father. And, uh, you know, thinking about the, the, the ramifications of just doing what you want in a, in a situation that could, at that point, be very dicey. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's scary, and I'm, you know, we're living that right now, Dave. Uh, my daughter found out that my, you know, seven-year-old grandson, who started second grade uh, in Broward, uh, one of his classmates, you know, that's yeah. just about two two chairs away, got COVID. So what Chris Moneymaker is doing, you know, is to be applauded. You know, you don't want to bring that home to your child, and down here, you know. We know what the politics of that is down here yeah. that we're going through in our state, you know, with what the governor mandate has been. And, uh, you know, I heard there's already been over a thousand cases in Broward and they've only been open for about a week. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's sad, it's, but wow. uh, like you said, I applaud Chris Moneymaker, you know, hey, uh, taking a year off to make sure your family is safe, that you don't contract. Yeah. How many thousands of people do you think are going to be over there? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, uh, you know, people lie about, uh, you know, whether they've tested positive in the past. They, uh, you know, a lot of people have that problem with the mask, but uh, Moneymaker had no problem with the mask and no problem with vaccines. He uh, has been vaccinated himself. And he says, uh, he says the Delta variant obviously, uh, you know, has changed things uh, in that, uh, he wanted to start playing live locally and add stops to his schedule, but uh, it's gone for the foreseeable future. And when they asked him what his thoughts were about, you know, people out there, he said, if you are not vaccinated and don't wear a mask at this point, there's nothing I can say to you. I probably will just not speak to you anymore as I cannot handle that kind of stupidity. Well, I'd love to applaud him for that because that's exactly how I feel. Word for you. Couldn't have been said any more, any better, you but know, in my it's not opinion. forever. It's not forever. He's had the, he finished with the hashtag next year. I hope. Yeah. Well, listen. When I don't know, you know, none of us are medical people here, and we have no idea. But uh, you know, when you do hear these things from the CDC and and everything about saying that, you know, we've got to get to a certain percentage of our population so that another variant doesn't develop from this. Right. So. Anything can happen. Uh, I don't know, That's guys. the problem. Every, every, everybody thought it was over. Coming. 
Everybody right. thought it was over, and it's, and it's just simply not. Exactly. So. Uh, the other thing I want to mention real briefly, I talked about a, a movie that's coming out called The Card Counter. And uh, Joe Stapleton, who uh, works on a lot of TV broadcasts as a commentator, he's also a stand-up comedian, which he has not done for the last 18 months, but is going back to uh, doing some stand-up at some clubs out in Los Angeles. Uh, so he's... Uh, making that return and he's going to be involved in this movie so, so uh it looks like it's going to be pretty good it's uh it's uh kind of a fun uh, little setup you know uh, uh with the uh not just involved in just poker because poker is just a part of it but uh but he's serving as a uh as a con- as a consultant for this movie, consultant, yeah, yeah, it's going to star Oscar Isaac, Will- Willem Dafoe, and Tiffany Haddish, and it opens September the 10th. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely going to see that. So uh, Stapes always uh, always good for a laugh. I've uh, met him a couple times down here in South Florida at the Hard Rock, and uh, he's uh, one of the unique characters in the game of poker. Well, and that you said the movie comes out September 10th. Yes, 10th. All right. Something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, also, uh, just a quick uh, strategy note I'd like to finish off with here is I was reading a very interesting article about spotting leaks, both in your own game and others. They talked to several players uh, on uh, Card Player Magazine, Brad Owen, uh, Lynn G, and Johnny Moreno, and they talked uh, about different things. There's a couple of really, I thought, interesting things here. Uh, He's, one of the uh, interesting things was that uh, leaks that they see in other people, obviously playing too passively in general is a problem while playing too many hands preflop is uh, kind of a losing strategy. And it uh, calling a lot is a new is a losing strategy. And the one interesting thing that Brad Owen said, uh, he said, it's it's, you know, it's not profitable in poker to call. Uh, on the river very often because he said calling uh, river vets and cash games is particularly bad because people are rarely bluffing once all the cards are out. What do you think about that? It's true. You know, if you're doing the calling instead of the betting or raising, my guess is you're going to probably have the losing hand eight or nine times out of 10, you know, uh, you know, obviously on the river, if you believe you're, you know, assuming you don't have the stone cold nuts, you know, but you got a very strong hand, meaning you put your opponent on a weaker hand, you know, you should be raising and seeing if 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 they'll fold their cards. So that's that's a very good. That's one of the first times I've heard something like that because most of these leaks are just you know rehash things from all the years that that I've been playing poker, you know, said a little differently, but. That's that's an excellent one right there, Dave. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, another one that Lynn G talked about was uh, bet sizing uh, tells. She says, I think it's more uh, natural for people to want to put money into the pot when they have a strong hand, less money in the pot when they have a weak hand. But it's actually a large mistake and a common one. She says, uh, I, if you don't look at the bet sizing then uh, those tells aren't that punishing. But if they're looking, if you're looking to take your game to the next level, that is something you should pay close attention to. Well, yes. And, you know, it's like they said, uh, 
they're calling it bet sizing now. It just all depends on uh, the leaks that you've read from top pros from before in the sense of you have to change up your game, you know, as to how, you know, so no one can get a read on you. And your betting structure is always a way of getting a read on, on a lot of people, you know, uh, just like they mentioned there. You know, there was players that if 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 the pot was, you know, uh, bet and raised and they re-raised every single time, even, you know, you knew that they were standing there with a monster. Um, when they called, you, you knew they were on a draw or had middle pair. Uh, so, yeah, you have to change it up, you, you know. Sometimes bet small when you've got the nuts to see if somebody thinks you're you're bluffing to come over the top. Um, you got to make yourself as uh, confusing to your opponents as possible, so right. they don't have a clue as to when you have a good hand or when you might be bluffing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Johnny Marino says he sees a big problem for most people is that you know when they're having a bad session. And, uh, you know, you're basically miserable and, uh, you know, you feel like you want to get out and get, get make back the losses. But a lot of times you just got to get up and, and write it off that this is going to be a losing session and, uh, you know, keep track of your losses and that sort of thing. And uh, in the end, if you have discipline to get up and take a small loss, that you can uh, find out that your overall win percentage is much better that way. That you take a small loss and just learn to step away, is that it? Right, right, and then make it back another day when maybe the cards are running a little better for you or uh, you're in a better frame of mind because it's so easy to go on tilt with a lot of people and they don't even realize when they're tilting. Yeah, well, you know, as far as plugging leaks, that should be, should be if there's a commandment for that, that that's probably number one or number two, you know. But, uh, you know, you're running bad. Your 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 mindset isn't there. Get up, get up and leave. Unfortunately, in my lifetime, I've only been able to see two or three, four people that had that discipline to be able to do that. Right. They either left when they ran out of money, or no one else would lend them any money. You know, the house wouldn't give them any more money. The other players at the table wouldn't give them any more money, and you know. Uh, a cute little statement that we used to say when, when you would be pissed off and instead of just getting up and calling at night is, Hey, I'm getting ready to barbecue some chips. You know? <laughs> and, and that's that, a line that I used on a very bad beat that I took one night where I was only down $250 on an incredibly bad, bad, bad beat. I was happy. The person made the call just ran into the most miraculous turn in river uh, into a huge, huge pot of about fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars, and I just got up and I they said, "No, you're so much." Said, no, no, my mindset now is I'm going to barbecue a lot of chips. I'd rather keep that money and come play another day when you know when I've rested and and don't have this this nagging feeling that I just gave away fourteen thousand dollars. So, but very it, trust me, I've done it a hundred times in the other direction. So. Uh, it takes a while for you to have that discipline. And, and even then, Dave, I don't know if you've ever done that, but, you know, it's so hard. It is so hard to to walk away from a game where you believe 
you're the superior player. And, you know, your, your mindset is these idiots have taken my money on one and two outers. You know, I'm, I should be able to get all my money back. Sometimes it just doesn't work like that. Come back another day, congratulate your opponent on winning that money, and walk away. And, you know, they'll be more than... They'll be more than uh, willing to give it back to you on another day and another, you know, another session. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one last thing: uh, big tournament going on in Cyprus. Uh, it is the Super High Roller Bowl Europe, which is uh, being played over there. Uh, nine events in total, including the uh, main event, which is a two hundred fifty thousand dollar buy-in. Uh, this is a really high stakes uh, t- tournaments, uh, 100,000, 50,000, as low as 25. But uh, the first event was a short deck tournament, and the winner, Phil Ivey. Phil Ivey making a comeback. Yeah, he's, <laughs> sort of it. he's got, hopefully, he's got all his legal issues straightened out for him, you know? Yeah, look forward to seeing him out there, of course. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the big names may stay, like a moneymaker might stay away, but uh, we may get to see some brand-new players uh, going at it out there. Uh, they're in event number number two, which is the uh, $25,000 No Limit Hold'em event. And let me tell you, Phil Ivey was also another one that, you know, we were intrigued with his story of, you know, playing under a different name, uh, you know, when he was underage in Atlantic City. You know, we've, we've read his... Big sports bets, uh, you know, the loss that he had on that Pittsburgh, Arizona halftime, uh, you know, the first half. Right. And um, until, and then he was one of the vocal ones when, uh, you know, when all the uh, internet poker sites went down, if you remember. Uh, he wasn't implicated, as far as I know, like uh, Letterer and, uh, and Chris Ferguson. Right. And, um, until until the recent problems, you know, I, I would imagine most poker players had a uh, casual poker players had a, a very favorable view of Phil. You know, one of those similar to Daniel Negrano. So right. I'm right. looking forward to see him come back. You know, and yeah. hopefully get get some final tables and 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 get some airtime. I'd I'd like to see it. I, I he's him along with Daniel, one of the two uh, that I really enjoyed uh, yeah. watching. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, Jason get back in the game a little bit, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Oh or not. yes. Well, anyway, he's, young. he's very young. He's only in his mid thirties. He'll he he can enjoy his family life now and, and get ranked, get back up there in a couple of years. It was a short deck tournament that he won uh, four hundred eight thousand eighty one players uh, in that one, and that is at the Super High Roller Bowl in Cyprus and uh, <clears throat> at the Merritt Casino there. And he defeated uh, Stephen Chidwick in head-to-head play um, when he picked up, uh, he had King-10 suited, and uh, Chidwick had ace-queen, but uh, (coughs) Phil picked up uh, the king on the flop, and that gave him the lead, and then the rest was uh, blank. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see a couple of these big-name players get back in action. And, uh, you know, as much as we enjoy seeing new faces and breakout players, we uh, love seeing some of our favorites uh, go at it. Eric Seidel also finished uh, at the final table in that event. So uh, he's kind of back in action on a pretty strong way. Yeah, well, well the oldies but goodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, 
those are the people we heard growing up and watching the, some of the, you know, we've watched some of these guys grow up and, and everything. So yeah, I'm glad that they're getting back to it. Let's just hope that everybody stays safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to do it for our show today. Uh, we appreciate you being with us and uh, look forward to uh, our next uh, visit with you here on the uh, podcast airwaves. And, uh, of course, you can always pick up the show on our favorite places like Hold'em Radio Network airs the show on a regular basis. The Pod- Poker Fuse podcast page uh, is still carrying us on a regular basis. Uh, and uh, you go to their podcast listings and uh, all the great shows around the country. Uh, you know, Poker News has a show, uh, Bernard Lee and a lot of the great stuff. And we're right on there with them. So we hope you'll... Uh, Continue to follow us, uh, rate the show, subscribe to the show on any of your services. Pick us up on SoundCloud. We always tweet out a couple of links uh, either on Spotify or on uh, on SoundCloud. So when you get it, uh, sign up so that you get uh, regular notices every week. We appreciate it. Joe, thanks for all your help. Again, Joe Costello, thank you as well. And we'll look forward to another show. Uh, we'll be watching what happens as we close in on the World Series of Poker the end of September, September 30th. But we'll uh, be following the other tournaments and news that pops in here around the country and around the world in the world of poker. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 